We're glad that you are with us, and if you would like to share the reading of God's Word and what the Lord has laid on my heart today, I am going to ask you to turn over to a uh, passage in the book of Luke. So Luke chapter 12, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 13. Luke chapter 12, and beginning with verse number 13. Luke chapter 12, verse 13, the scripture says, And one of the company said unto him, unto Jesus, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And then he turns to the crowd and he says, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And then he launches into a parable to illustrate his point. And he says, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns, and I will build greater. My shop is too small. And I will build bigger barns, and there will I bestow all of my fruits and all of my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Who is going to get all your stuff? When you are no longer here. And then Jesus says to them, So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And I'll ask you to bow your heads right there. We'll pray and ask the Lord for his help and for his anointing in preaching this morning. Heavenly Father, I am grateful today for the presence of the Lord that I sense, and I ask you this morning, Lord, to just touch our hearts here today with your word. I pray that you will enable me to be an effective minister of your word today. Put your thoughts in my mind and your words in my mouth and anoint me with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I pray that everything that is said and everything that is done here this morning will glorify Christ and will edify the people of God. I ask this morning, Lord, that you would bless me in order that I might be a blessing to these that are here. And for all of these things, Lord, we will be eternally grateful and we will be thankful. I ask them now in the name of Jesus and everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. Amen. 
So I want to title what the Lord has laid upon my heart this morning. What is your definition of success? What is your definition of success? What does it mean to be successful? What is our personal definition of success? Or maybe I should say, what does true success look like? in our lives. No matter how we may choose to define it, I believe that we all have a desire to be successful. We all have a desire to be fruitful and we all have a desire to be prosperous and we all have a desire to be productive. So the question this morning is not if we want to be successful, but the real question that the Holy Spirit has laid upon my heart is what does success, true success, look like in our lives? What does that look like? What does real success look like? How do we define it? And the reason that I think that we should ask such a question and uh, the reason that I feel like we should stop and consider the question is because I believe we need to understand, first of all, that the world's definition of success and God's definition of success are two very different things. Amen. We need to understand that success in the eyes of the world and success through the eyes of God can look very differently. You could be the richest man in town or you could be considered a complete success in the eyes of men and be morally bankrupt and an utter failure in the sight of God. You hear what I'm saying this morning? You could own stocks and bonds and real estate and wealth beyond your wildest imagination. You could be a man or a woman of influence and power and affluent, amen, power. But if you have not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and if you have not made, amen, Jesus a priority in your life, then none of those other things are going to be able to save you in the end. So what is true success? This is what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 and verse number 36. He said, what shall it profit a man? What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So this morning, I want you to understand that the world's definition of success and God's definition of success are two very different things. It is my hope this morning that through the text that the Holy Spirit has laid upon my heart, it will allow us the opportunity to both define and maybe redefine what our idea of real success means. So as I begin here this morning, I want to begin by asking the question. How many of you here this morning feel like you are successful? No hands, just self-inner reflection. 
How many of you here this morning feel like you are successful? When we talk about success in our Western culture, amen, our minds are automatically programmed to think in terms of wealth. Automatically, we begin to think in terms of money, power, currency, capital, income, assets, means, affluence. Automatically, we begin to think of things or possessions. We've been programmed to believe that way. We think that success means more toys, more money, more income, bigger house, bigger car, better car. We've been programmed to believe that, amen, things equal success. You hear what I'm saying this morning? Amen, we tend to equate success with stuff. So how many of you here this morning think that you have enough stuff? I marvel. I I mean, we, we see storage units popping up all over the place. Why? Because Americans have lots of stuff. Right? How many of you here this morning feel like you are rich? How many of you feel like you are rich? If stuff is what makes us rich, then how many of you feel like you are rich? You say, Pastor Gary, yeah, I feel like I'm doing okay. Or maybe you are on the opposite end of that spectrum. And you would say, I'm just barely making ends meet. Maybe you're here and you would say, Pastor Gary, I'm living in the land of even. Not too much, just enough. That's where most of us live, the land of even. Hello? Maybe you're here this morning and you would be willing to say, I'm just barely making it by the skin of my teeth and there is always more month at the end of the money than there is money at the end of the month. What if I told you this morning that you might just be surprised at how rich and how wealthy you are? What if I told you that you are absolutely filthy rich and you don't even realize it? Before we go any further, let me just tell you that compared to the rest of the world, the vast majority of Americans are absolutely filthy rich. The, compared to the rest of the world, many of you sitting right here this morning in the house today have money to burn. You say, get out of here. <laughs> Shut the door. What? Let me see if I can prove it. So the first thing that we need to understand about the word rich is that the word rich is a relative term, right? Rich is a relative term. If, if you're comparing my bank account with Bill Gates, I am dirt poor. 
If you're comparing my bank account with Jeff Bezos, that guy that owns Amazon, none of us are rich. Because if they are the starting point, all of us are absolutely dirt poor. But if we do the math another way, and not new math, just do the math another way. We might just find out that we are more wealthy than what we think we are. There is a website that will allow you to anonymously, if you go to www.globalrichlist.com. Don't do it right now, but you can do it later. Globalrichlist.com. Globalrichlist, all one word, dot com. And incognito-like, you can put in your annual income. And you can find out where you stand in the rest of the world compared to income. I did that. Here's what I discovered. Outside of the fact that my monthly income could pay the monthly income for 537 doctors in Pakistan. Uh, hello? So, he, here's some of the results that I found out. Did you know that 48% of the wealth in the world is held by just 1% of the population? 48% of all of the wealth in the world is held by just, amen, by just 1% of the entire population. And you are probably thinking, man, I bet I wish I was part of that crowd. Well, let me just share something with you. If your household income is $50,000 a year, you are part of that crowd. Hello? Hello? Well, Pastor Gary, what if I just, amen, what if I don't make $50,000 a year? Let me tell you, if your annual income is just $10,000 a year, that's $833 a month. If you only make $833 a month, you are still more wealthy than 84% of the rest of the population in the world. I said, you are more rich than what you think you are. Do you realize that 80% of the entire population in the world earns about $10 a day? In 27 different African countries, only, amen, they only make a dollar and 25 cents a day. So the truth is that you, you, may, or you pay more or spend more for a cup of coffee on a daily basis than they make working from sunup to sundown every day. The truth is we have become so spoiled. The truth is that we have been so blessed. And instead of being grateful and thankful, too many times we are simply lusting for more and more. Let me continue. Do you own a car? 
Some of you brought two of them to church this morning. <laughs> Hello? My wife and I have done that. Are you ready? No, go ahead. <laughs> if you own a car, then you have got it better than 93% of the rest of the population in the world. Wow. Really? Have you eaten in the last 24 hours? Then you have got it better than the 25,000 people who will die of hunger today. Did you have water at your house this morning? Then you are better off than 1.5 billion people in the world who do not have access to clean water. Are you a proud parent or a proud grandparent watching your little ones grow up? Then let me tell you that you have got it better than the 10 million children under the age of five uh, that will die this year alone uh, from a completely curable disease uh, because they do not have access to medical assistance. Mm. Do you live off of more than $2.50 a day? That won't even pay for the McMuffin at McDonald's, right? Do you live off of $2.50 a day? Then you've got it better than 3 billion people living on planet Earth. Did you have lights at your house this morning? If you have electricity at your house, then you have it better than 1.6 billion people. The truth is... Listen to me, the truth is that if you have shelter over your head and you know where your next meal is coming from and you don't have to worry about access to clean water and you don't have to worry about access to medical care, then you benefit from more wealth than amen. Uh, many of the people who have lived throughout history of this world. We need to understand that there are people around the world this morning and they are worrying about where their next meal is coming from and where they will lay their head at night and many of us our only worry is how are we going to get the next generation of the iPhone our western culture our western culture our mindset we have been so blessed we have been so blessed by God and we've been so spoiled that we have come to the point that we become covetous and greedy and we don't even realize it. Our focus has become wealth and toys and our focus has become accumulating possessions and assets. Our focus has become building a successful career and obtaining financial prosperity. So this morning, if your definition of success is wealth and riches, if your definition of success is possessions and power and capital and assets and property and worldly goods and resources, Resources, then compared to the rest of the world, you have already got it made. You've already arrived. But our problem this morning 
is that we have got it so good that we fail to be unthankful and instead we ungratefully lust for more and more and more. And Jesus said, beware of covetousness. Beware of covetousness. If there is another definition of success besides wealth and power and position and resources, if there is another definition of success in the eyes of God, then I believe we ought to know about it. Can you say amen? So Jesus clearly tells us in verse number 15 that possessions do not equal success. Verse 15, he says, Beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things that he possesses, which simply means that the whole sum of a man's life is not measured by the abundance of his or her possessions. So this morning, let's take a closer look at our text and see what we can learn about real success. Our text tells us that there was a certain day that Jesus was speaking to a crowd. And as he spoke, there was a man that stepped forward and he requested of him to intervene in a personal matter with his brother. We read in verse number 13, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And when you read the next verse, you realize that Jesus didn't want to get involved in it. He said unto him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Jesus was saying, amen. In other words, Jesus was saying, I don't want to get involved with it. The man is saying, Lord, I need your help. I need you to settle an argument over my inheritance with my brother because we can't decide who gets what. Reading between the lines, we need your help to settle who gets what because we are so selfish that we are afraid somebody is going to get more than we do. Hello? And Jesus basically refused to get involved. And here's why. He knew that no answer that he could give would be able to satisfy the both of them. You know why? Because they were both filled with greed and they were both filled with covetousness. And no settlement that he could arrange would be able to satisfy the both of them because a covetous spirit wants more and more and more and more. Hmm. Jesus knew that as long as both men were greedy, then no settlement would be satisfactory. He knew that their greatest need was not to have the inheritance, but he knew that their greatest need was to have their heart changed. I submit to you this morning, if you cannot look around you in your life and be thankful for what God has provided, then you need a change of heart. I submit to you this morning, if you can't look at all of the blessings that God has provided in your life and in your household, then you need to have a change of heart. Jesus says to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. 
What Jesus is saying is that we need to be aware of a selfish, a greedy, and a stingy heart. Let me give you some synonyms for covetousness, greed, materialism, stinginess, miserliness, tight-fistedness. Amen. What Jesus is saying is be careful not to allow your heart to be filled with an unquenchable lust to have more and more and more stuff because a man's life does not consist in the amount of things that he collects. We need to understand that covetousness is an unquenchable thirst for getting more and more of the things that we think will satisfy our soul when in reality the only thing that will satisfy our heart is a relationship with Christ covetousness is an empty hole that just keeps swallowing more and more and more it may be a thirst for money. It may be a thirst for the things that money can buy. It may be a thirst for position and power. But saints of God, listen to me this morning. Our worth, our value, our success uh, is not measured by the possessions uh, that we acquire. True success uh, is not measured by what's in our bank account. Uh, true success uh, is not measured by what kind of car that we drive uh, or the possessions that we obtain or the house that we live in but true success amen does not mean how many toys we can gather but true success is about having a relationship with Jesus Christ and having a relationship with God amen it is not about our acquired wealth and to prove his statement Jesus shares with him a simple little parable that's very, very, very revealing. Turn with me back over to the text. If you still have your Bible open, turn with me back over to the text, Luke 12. Look at verse 16. Listen to what the scripture said. I can see it happening as it unfolds. Lord, I need you to help me settle an argument with my brother. Jesus recognizes the covetous heart. He says, I don't want to get involved. And he turns to the people and says, beware of covetousness. Because a man's life does not consist of the things that he possesses. Let me illustrate to you. And he spake a parable, verse 16 of chapter 12. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And the rich man thought within himself, saying, This is what the rich man said, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all of my fruits and my 
Anybody see a pattern developing here? And all of my goods. And I will say to my soul, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, You fool! You fool! None of it belongs to you! Hello? None of it belongs to you. You fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And then who shall those things be which you have provided? None of that stuff is going to save your soul. And he said, so is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Anybody see the problem in that setting of scripture? See the problem in that parable? Did you notice how self-centered and how many times the word I and my were used? Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter and he points out the man's covetous attitude. And in just three short verses, the rich man in the parable said, I six times and my five times. Eleven different times. It's all about me. My goods, my barns, my fruit, my soul. Here the rich man is saying to himself, uh, amen, he starts talking to himself and he says, boy, you have really done good. You've worked hard and you have put forth some effort and you have really done well. You have got all kinds of stuff. In fact, you've been accumulating stuff for years. My wife and I lived in the same home for about 22 years. We built a new home here not long ago. And when we got ready to move, I couldn't believe how much stuff we had. Hello? Moving it from one place to another. Some of that stuff, I'm like, I don't think we need that stuff. <laughs> Let's, let's, let's just take that someplace else. Hear this man, he says, you got so much stuff that your barns won't even hold all of it. You got so much stuff that you can just kick back and take it easy. How many of you think that speaks of the fact that he's just trusting in his stuff? You got so much stuff, you don't even have to worry about anything anymore. You got so much stuff, you can just kick back and take it easy. He's putting his trust in his stuff. You don't have to worry about anything no more. You can just sit back for the rest of your life and enjoy the things that you have done. One more harvest, and you got it made. No doubt in this man's mind that he has succeeded. He had done it all by himself. My fruit, my barn, my crops, my goods. He had it all. He had it all. He had reached the top and in just a few days away, he would have everything that he ever wanted. Note the parable this morning. The man was blessed material, materially, tremendously blessed, but he never once gave thanks unto God. Never once 
Did he say, this ain't mine? Lord, what would you have me do with it? I know this stuff has all been provided by the hand of the Lord. What would you have me to do with it? The man called the fruits of the ground and the, the possessions that he had, my fruit and my goods. He even went so far as to say, my soul. He thought it be- there's no place in scripture or in the parable that indicates that he'd ever given his heart to God. He's so puffed up with pride and with what he has done, all he could think about was something bigger and bigger, and all he could think about was I, I, and my, my. And the bottom line is that enough was never enough. Always trying to reach for the next rung. What's your definition of success? If your definition of success this morning is work hard, play hard, party hard, get as many toys as you can, build a retirement fund so that someday you can retire and enjoy your toys and enjoy your bank account and you are not rich toward God, then you are on the wrong track. Pastor Gary, you make it sound like there's something wrong with having a good job or making money and having money in the bank. You make it sound like there's something wrong with having nice things and having toys. Absolutely not. I got some of them myself. Absolutely not. Here's the problem. God doesn't mind if we have stuff. But God minds if stuff has us. You hear what I'm saying? God doesn't mind if you are blessed and you are driving a new automobile. And God is, amen, God's happy that you are blessed and that you are enjoying a measure of success and enjoying some wealth. But let me tell you, God doesn't want that stuff to have your heart. Amen. Let's make sure this morning that we get the problem of the parable. The problem wasn't the possessions. The problem was the greed that was in the heart. Amen. And the lack of gratitude toward God that was in the heart of this man. And the truth of the matter is that possessions and success are only temporary. All day. All day you can admire your stuff. But I want you to take into account that one of these days you're going to stand before God and leave all of that stuff behind. And Jesus said, and then whose shall it be? And then one day all of that stuff ain't going to matter anymore. When death comes, none of that stuff can pay your way out. Hello? All of that stuff and all that worldly success is not going to matter anymore. Everything is going to be someone else's. Statistics do not lie. One out of one dies. And you know, you've heard the cliche, you can't take it when you go. And you've heard the other cliche, you've never seen a hearse, you know, followed by a U-Haul. Maybe you have. (laughs) But I promise you, he ain't going to do nothing with it. Hello? The truth is 
that people who, listen very carefully, the truth is that people who are satisfied only with things that money can buy are in grave danger of losing the only thing that money cannot buy. Well, I just wish I had a little more of my share. You are already filthy rich and don't even know it. Compared to the rest of the people in the world, you have already got money to burn. Don't be such a tightwad when it gets time to tip the waitress. That's good preaching, Brother Gary. <laughs> Hello? No, I won't say that. I'll leave it alone. I'll leave it be. My dad used to say, you've done went, you've done went from preaching to meddling. <laughs> so here, listen to me really carefully, okay? God did not call this man a fool because he was a farmer. God did not call this man a fool because he was rich. God did not call this man a fool because he was a hard worker and that he used his sense of business to do more and more. That's not why God called him a fool. God did not call this man a fool because he took care of what he had, but God called him a fool because he was self-centered and he was selfish. God called him a fool because he was ungrateful and he did not recognize and he never once acknowledged from where his blessings came. God called him a fool because he had made preparations for his worldly goods, but he had made no preparation for where he would spend eternity. God called him a fool because he was preparing for his old age and he never stopped to consider his own death. God called him a fool because he laid up treasure in the wrong place. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon the earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves can break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupts and where thieves cannot break through to steal. Because where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Hmm. God called him a fool because he had gained the whole world and he lost his own soul. His whole focus was on himself and he had no time for God. I come back to the title of the message. What is your definition of success? What is the most important thing in your life right now? Because that's where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. That's, where you're, that's, that's, the, that's the, the success that you are pursuing. Let me just tell you this morning, if serving Christ is not the most important thing in your life, then you are a fool. If you are living life to just acquire and to somehow get ahead and step on somebody to get there, so that you can have more and more and more when you are already abundantly blessed.
then you are a fool. And one day you too will answer before God. One day everything that you have is going to be gone. All of the toys, all of the stuff, and all of the money. But the greatest thing that you can ever acquire, the pearl of great price, the greatest thing that you could ever have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. True success is a relationship with Jesus and living for him. True success is living for eternity, knowing that you will spend eternity in heaven with him. Success is not about money and power. Success is having a winning relationship with God. I'm going to share three things with you real quick, and then we're going to close. I believe these three things will help us keep a perspective, a proper perspective on life. Number one, in order to have true success, I think we need to focus on what we have instead of what we do not have. See, if you, if you, if you focus on what you have, your heart can't, be, can't help but be filled with joy and say, Lord, thank you. Count your many blessings. Ah, there are too many to count. Just little simple things that we take so for granted like electricity and water and shelter and food. A car to drive, on and on you could go. All of those things that we looked at at the globalrichlist.com thing. All of those things. If, if, we, if we keep our perspective right and we look at what we have instead of what we don't have, I promise you there will always be somebody that has something you don't have. That's just, that's just the way it goes. That's how it is. There's always going to be somebody that, I mean, even, even if you get a brand new car, six, uh, six months from now, somebody else gets a brand new car, and your car ain't new. Hello? So just understand, look at all of the things you do have instead of all of the things that you don't have. Focus on that. Number two, focus on what is right in your world instead of what is wrong. Focus on what's right in your world instead of focusing on what is wrong. Number three, focus on where you are going instead of where you have been. It brings things into perspective. True success this morning is not about stuff. God don't mind you having stuff, but God don't want stuff to have you. God wants your heart. He wants to be your focus. Focus on the right things, and you'll get the right response from your heart. Bow your heads, if you will, please. What is your what is your definition of success? Maybe you have like this rich man thought that things were the answer. They're not. They're not. Relationship with Jesus is the answer. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity that you've given to me to share the word with these that are here. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that I sensed as we preached. And now, Holy Spirit, it is simply up to you to take the words of this message to the hearts of the hearers. Speak into every life this morning. If we need to redefine our definition of success, help us to understand how blessed we really are. How we should be thankful and grateful instead of coveting more and more and more and being so unhappy with what you have given us. We're like the children of Israel often. You bless them with manna from heaven and it wasn't enough. They wanted quail. Help us to understand we need to be thankful and grateful for the blessings that you have given to us in our lives. Lord, if there are some of us here this morning that need to redefine Success. Maybe we have been so focused on things and possessions and wealth and stuff that we've neglected our relationship. We've turned our back on the true treasure. Shake us up. Wake us up. Help us to redefine our definition of success. Help us to recognize that a man's life does not consist of the abundance of the things that he possesses. But a man's life is treasured and cherished in the sight of God. And that is our true success, being at peace with God. In Jesus' name I ask, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning, you would slip up your hand and say, Pastor Gary, I need to redefine my definition of success. If that's you, slip up your hand. I need, I need to redefine my definition of success. I need to be a little more grateful for the things that the Lord has bestowed upon my life. I need to be a little more thankful for the blessings and not so focused on what I don't have. If there are any hands, slip that up and say, yeah, that's me. Bless the name of the Lord. Stand to your feet all over the building this morning. Heavenly Father, as we dismiss from this place this morning, they are going to come and worship one more time. But as we dismiss from this house this morning, I pray that the words that you have spoken to us will be embedded deeply within our hearts and we will take them with us, let them grow, let them, let them take root in our heart. Let us be reminded daily of the definition of true success. I pray that you will bless every household that's represented here today. Bless them spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, in every area of their life. 
Let their needs be met and let Jesus be glorified for it. We ask in Christ's name, amen and amen. Go ahead.